Hello everybody, my name's Darren and I write a blog, it's called A Demon's Voice, it's about movies and shit like that. You can find it at ademonsvoice.blogspot.com and I'm also on Twitter at ademonsvoice, of which you should definitely follow me because why the fuck not? Hi you all, have a good week, mine's been shit as usual. I've been spending quite a lot of time with a friend called Greg recently and he's been therapising me because, you know, what else is there to fucking do these days? Uh, and he reminded me of a story from my childhood in which when I was about eight I went on holiday with my parents and because I'm a child they sort of palmed me off into the holiday club where we made little balloon people you know the people hosting the club had like sort of made a body out of paper that you know looked like legs and, a butt and arms and whatnot and then they'd inflated a balloon glued that to the top and we as the members of the club got to draw a face on the balloon and glue some hair on it and whatnot with made of cotton obviously not human hair that'd be weird uh, and I made my granddad, I did the grey hair around, these, around the side of the head because he was bald on the top, and I called it granddad, and I had it all holiday, and I was very excited to take it home to show my granddad. Uh, and uh, on the last day of the holiday, my mum said, uh, we're not going to be able to take that on the plane, by the way. And I said, why not? And she said, because it's a balloon, uh, and it's not going to let you do it. And I said, what are the options? And she said, well, we can either leave it here, or we can maybe bring it on the, fo on the phone, in a, on the plane in a more modified way. And I said, well, let's do the modified way then. I don't want to leave him here. He'll be lonely. So my mum said, no problem, and then popped his fucking head. Um, so Greg identified that as being a possible source of trauma for me. Anyway, the next day, uh, Greg was on Twitter or whatever he was on. And Greg is a proper PlayStation nerd. And he was going on about how everyone on social media was saying all the new PlayStation 5 news is really good. And I said, come on, Greg. It's only saying that because you live in a social media bubble. It's just repeating to you what you want to hear. And he said, no, Darren, because I've got so many filters on my social media now that I've popped that social media bubble like granddad's fucking head. So I think everyone should get therapy, but maybe pay for it, because if you get it for free, then they will throw it back in your face the next day. I've been to the, the cinema this week to see a film called Les Miserables. It was quite traumatic. It was very tense, but it was very worth the watch. Here, I shall ramble about it to you now. Enjoy. Cheers. So I went to the cinema to see a film about the French called Les Miserables, although I should clarify that it wasn't the one about the cunt who stole a loaf of bread. Instead, this is a modern-day cop drama thing that tries to draw attention to a certain part of life and in a certain part of France. The title seems pretty apt to me though, because whenever I see the French, I do think, oh look, there are the miserables. For me, the question isn't about why this film is called Les Miserables, but rather as to why all the other French movies aren't called that as well. Except, you know, maybe Amelie, which should probably just have been called the upbeat gnome thief. I should clarify that I've never actually been to France, and I haven't met a single French person since I was in school, and they wheeled one out in class to help us learn their language. But when did that ever stop a Brit from making an unfounded and xenophobic judgement on an entire fucking country? I can confirm that the individual in school did not find it funny when I suggested the French word for the pub might in fact be la pube, and so, you know, fuck em. They say that French is the language of love, and yet every single one of their words sounds like they gave up about halfway through and just started fucking vomiting. Bonjour, they might say before doubling over and expelling out what looks like liquid cheese. Sacre bleu, another will respond as a chewed up frog like spews back out of their mouth and in a semi-digested green paste. French might be the language of love, but only if the thing that you love is to be face down in the fucking toilet as your partner holds your hair back and you have to catch your breath between the fucking dry heaves. <sighs> that was probably all sounded a bit too Brexty, wasn't it? 
I guess I should probably balance that out now by saying that I really did enjoy the film, not simply because its final act ended with a fucking riot. I don't know what it is about the French, but nobody seems to be able to smash up their own country better than they do. When we have a riot over here in the UK, a few people will gather en masse with a sign that says something scientifically indisputable, like, fuck the Tories, and that'll be the end of it. Everybody will ultimately get ignored, and whatever bullshit was being protested against will carry on regardless. In fact, I literally got home from Asda before, and saw that somebody had written White Lives Matter on the inside of the cubicle door in the shop's toilet. I don't know if that counts as much of a protest, but based on its location, it is always nice to be reminded that racists are indeed full of shit. But in France, they really don't fuck about when it comes to protesting. They're the equivalent of a mad drunk who decides to set his own flat on fire to protest his landlord's rising monthly rent costs, but after having forgotten to take their own possessions out of the fucking building first. Fair play to them. I admire that level of dedication to their anger. In the film, we see a rookie cop joining forces with a crack team of experienced fascists and struggling to fit in because he actually seems to give a solitary shit about the people that he's been tasked with policing. Imagine that. I'm sure that the authority doesn't go to all members of the police's head, although a friend of mine was once chokeslammed for bunking off school when we were kids after one officer had failed to remember that it was the fucking weekend. This team of three that the new cop is now part of spend their time patrolling a shanty-looking town in the eastern suburbs of Paris, which, according to Wikipedia, is about 10 miles from the city centre. Although, Wikipedia also essentially describes the place as a shithole, and so I'd look a little bit more into it before you decide it's only a train ride from the capital and book a night in the Le Travel Lodge. Problems arise in the film, though, when a local gang of gypsies... Can you say gypsies? That's what they call them in the film. When the local gang of gypsies have their baby lion stolen, with them believing it to have been taken by one of the area's local gangs. Although the film might have an air of social realism about it, I guess occasionally the crimes that take place in France might also sound like they could have taken place in fucking Narnia. I can't wait for this sequel to this movie, in which hostilities between two rival factions begin to escalate, with each blaming the other for it being always winter, but never Christmas. The three cops decide to step in here and investigate before things turn too ugly, only to discover that the young animal was taken by one of the local kids. It's actually really cool watching how they work on a day-to-day -day basis, to be honest, because I just assumed that most crimes were solved by looking at some CCTV footage and shouting enhance until the face of the fucking perp becomes crystal clear. Apparently, in real life, they just keep refreshing their various social media accounts after searching a few case-related words, and whilst waiting for the dipshit involved to start posting about their crime. If only this had been possible to do throughout history, we might have been able to stop somebody like, oh I don't know, Ed Gein a little sooner, after snooping out the suspicious-looking lampshades, belts and bowls for sale on his fucking Etsy channel. I have to say too that the film does do an incredible job of giving a sense of place, to the point that after this film was over, I felt perfectly justified in giving my one-star review of the area on fucking TripAdvisor. At last, I can really understand why all of those soldiers were so fucking desperate to get out of France during the Dunkirk evacuations. The tensions between the various gangs are quite high, the tension between the gangs and the cops are quite high, and the tensions between the pre-existing cops and the new one that's just joined them are all quite high. If anything, I'd argue that the only way to calm down from this movie after it's over is to find your local drug dealer and attempt to get quite high yourself. The film starts out by giving a rough collaged impression of what life in that town is like, before subtly building up its various plot threads and then aiming at each other until chaos is unavoidable. If you'd shoved a lump of coal up my arse as I'd walked into the cinema, then by the end the tension had gotten so much that I'd have walked out shitting diamonds. 
Such is the arrogance of me that I genuinely can't remember if that call to diamond via a tight anus thing is a joke I've come up with or a general saying. I'd like to think it's one I came up with. So maybe the French and I aren't so different after all, because they're always portrayed as being a country of arrogant motherfuckers too. Is that what this film is about? That despite everybody's various agendas and worldviews and job roles, that we're all just ultimately people? I don't know, probably, isn't that what all films are about? Or perhaps it's that poverty breeds desperation, and under those circumstances there are always good people that will get hurt. This certainly seems to be backed up by the aftermath of chaos and collateral damage in Astor earlier, when I saw a middle-aged mum almost chin some fucking kids for taking the last tub of smart price cheese spread. At the end of the day, though, I suppose the cinema is often claimed to be an empathy machine, and I fail to see how anybody could watch this film and not feel for all of the people involved. It's a pressure cooker environment, and so like Spike Lee's Do the Right Thing, it feels inevitable that people living there will allow their anger to get the better of them in the end. It's what happens when people are pushed to the limit without any reasonable way of having their protests heard, I suppose. It's just such a shame that they have to be pushed so far before they explode. I'm from a relatively middle-class background, and even I'm now at the point in which I'm beginning to fantasise about owning a fucking guillotine. But even the most fascist of the cops becomes sympathetic here, when you conclude that he probably acts the way he does because he has a tiny little French penis. I have no evidence to back that claim up, but, you know, come on. Apparently since its release, French President Emmanuel Macron has declared himself to be shocked by the things that he saw on screen, and so set about trying to find a plan to help the real area before it's too late. Maybe he's just saying that to keep his voters happy whilst doing absolutely fuck all about it. But it'd be nice to imagine a perfect world in which a film as powerful and worthwhile as this could make a difference. I actually sat next to an MP at a local screening of Ken Loach's working class misery fest, I, Daniel Blake, a few years back. His name was Frank Field, and whilst watching this story of less privileged people being forced to resort to food banks before starving to death, I heard him lean over to the person he was with and announce... I think we'll get a chippy on the way home. And I thought, get in the fucking guillotine, you fucking cunt. Thanks for listening, motherfuckers, and see you next time. <laughs>